Hey guys, listen, we are continuing the series that we started last week entitled um, uh, The War Within, where we started last week just talking about, man, the art of war in this battle. But I'm going to make this statement right, right out of the gate. Listen, everyone in this room likes to win. Isn't that true? Everybody likes to win. Nobody likes to lose. It doesn't matter how serious it is or even if it's just something fun. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody lo likes to lose at board games. Nobody likes to lose at card games. I'm just telling you, if you're playing me in a card game and I'm losing, I'm going to cheat. I'm just so you know it's coming. If I put my hand on the table, I'm not scratching my leg. I'm hiding a card or I'm getting a card out. That's how it is because nobody likes to lose. You know, in all of, the, all of the sporting events that our kids go through from the time that they're very young all the way up, some people play through college. Listen, nobody wants the participation award. Everybody wants first place because nobody likes to lose. Everybody likes to win. Isn't that true? No matter what area of life it's in, everybody in the fight that you're in, in the battle that you're in, in the struggle that you're in, everybody wants a win. There's one battle I know for sure that I want to win in, and it's the battle of the bugs. Let me just tell you, you guys are, have grown up in the South. You don't get it. Uh, myself, my family, and I, we are from Ohio. We've been here in Alabama for about four and a half years. There are some things we miss about the North that we love about the South and vice versa. One of the things that we're kind of eh on the South is, is in school, I was raised to believe that pterodactyls have since gone extinct. They haven't. They moved to Alabama. They're called bugs. I mean, good night. Have you guys seen the bugs here? They're huge. I mean, they will swoop down and take one of your children and carry them away if you're not careful. And I hate bugs. So, man, it's like this constant fight. But think about it, right? Nobody just says, I don't like bugs and don't do anything about it. If you're going to fight the fight, like you're intentional. Here's something in the north, like bug guys are like part-time employees at best. Here, people make a living by having a business fighting the bugs of the south because there's so many of them. In my own house, you know, um, just last night, my wife and I, we had kind of a debate, a debate. There was this, uh, I don't know what it was. It, it climbed up from the pits of hell into our shower. Looked kind of like a reptile, but had a lot of legs on it. I mean, there were pinch. What kind of animal has pinchers on both ends? And so my wife, she's like, Steve, come get this, come get this bug out of the shower. I'm like, I didn't see it first. Why should I have to get it? So it was about a half hour debate. I was hoping it would crawl away in the midst of the debate. Finally, I went in and got it. And she actually recorded me getting this bug because it's entertainment when I have to kill a bug. I'm glad she didn't post it because I would have my man card rejected because I'm going to be honest. Listen, just be clear. I won the fight. Just be clear. I won the bug loss, but there was a little bit of screaming, high pitched noises in the process. Let's think about every, everything we go through in life. Everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to lose, but just because you want to win a desire to win is not enough. If you're going to win in life, if you're going to win in things that you go through, you need a strategy. Everybody say strategy. Here's what a general said. I thought this is a great quote. It said this, war is intentional and strategic. It isn't one in the battlefield. It's one in the war room, which means, again, a desire to win the conflicts you're in, a desire to win the challenges you face, a desire to win whatever it is that's ahead of you, whatever game you're playing, whatever sports you're in in life, in education, in marriage, if you want to win, like you just can't say, well, I hope it happens. You have to be strategic. And the crazy thing is, everybody in this room, you have strategies in all kinds of areas in our lives, right? We have strategies um, when it comes to our relationships. We have relational strategies, right? Cologne, come on guys, cologne, that's a relational strategy. Because if you're single, you put on cologne because you hope to get a woman, 
And if you got a woman and you're married, you put on cologne because you hope to get a woman. It's a relational strategy, right? I mean, it's, it's on purpose. You like, you put something into it. We have, uh, right, we have, we have um, physical strategies. Coming into this summer, there's a lot of people that looked in the mirror, didn't like what they seen and said, hey, you know what? Summer's coming. I got to put on a bathing suit. I need to lose five, 10 or 40 pounds. And so they came up, right? They didn't just say, I hope I lose it. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but some of you went and got gym memberships and you decided a month or two ago, you were going to stop eating certain things. You were going to start hitting the gym. Why? Because you wanted to get in like I want to get in. I want to get that bikini speedo. It's not just going to happen. You need a strategy, a strategy. So we have physical strategies. We have relational strategies. We have financial strategies. Now you may not think of it this way, but uh, there are some of us, but most of us just don't cash our paychecks and buy what we want. We're careful where we spend. We're careful with what we buy. Some of you are intentional to put a portion of your money into a savings account. Some of you are putting money aside into a retirement account. Do you know what that is? That's your financial strategy. What you're saying is that kind of finances and dealing with money in this world is a big deal, and you're not going to go through it haphazardly. You're going to go through it intentionally so you can be on top when it comes to finances. So I can go on and on, but here's what I know is in the area of strategies, while that word might not be something that we use a lot, every one of us in this room, we have strategies. You have strategies on how you raise your kids. You have strategies on how you get through school. You have strategies in your relationships. We have strategies everywhere, but here's a question I want to ask you. Do you have a strategy when it comes to overcoming your greatest adversary? Like, do you have an idea of how you're going to overcome your biggest challenge? And you say, Pastor, what's, what's my biggest challenge? What's my greatest adversary? Last week, we talked about what it is, right? As we jumped into this new series, The Art of War, we talked about that our biggest challenge, that our greatest adversary, it's, it's not the devil, it's not this world, it's not people in our circle of influence. The greatest challenge to living the life that God has for you is the person who looks back at you in the mirror every day. We are the people that get in the way of a great life. In fact, Jesus said it this way. This is so great. Listen to this. Jesus said, come on, read it with me. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So it's like Jesus was teaching like this dichotomy. It's almost like there's two sides of us. There's, there's the spirit side and there's, there's the flesh side or the body side. And he's, and he's almost saying again, listen, to this. he's saying like those two things, they clash that our spirit has these good intentions. Like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to start I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to quit this addiction. I'm going to I'm going to let go of that habit. And man, we just we're determined we're going to do it. But there's a lot of us in this room that we've had a lot of good intentions, but how many people know that sometimes we're weak? That our intentions don't pan out. Why? Because Jesus taught and the New Testament teaches that there is this there's this battle that rages on the inside of us. And here's why, when, when you come to Jesus, when you, when you give your life to Christ, when you become a Christian, when you become a Christ follower, whatever terminology you use, the Bible uses this terminology. The Bible says that when you come into a relationship with God through Christ, when your sins are forgiven, the Bible says you're born again. Now that's, that's so cool because Jesus, man, he painted pictures with the way he taught. He said, I want you to know that when you get saved, like you're born again, like there's this part of you that was dead, but your spirit comes alive for the first. It's like being born all over again. Another word the Bible uses is this word regeneration, like you were, you were dead and you were regenerated. Again, you were caused to live again. And here's what we know. 
in this new life of being a Christ follower, in this new life of faith, we know that we have a new life. But how many people know that sometimes we still struggle with an old life? And so the Bible uses words like that we have a new nature and that we have an old nature, that we have a new way of living and we have an old way, that there's a new man and that there's an old man, that there's a spirit and that there is a flesh. There is a carnality, right? And so it just, it's constantly saying, man, these two things are butting heads. And so this is what we said last week, that there's an enemy in me. There's an enemy on the inside of each and every one of us. Again, there is this old man. There is this old nature. There are these old habits and old ways of thinking that fight against your relationship with God, that fight against you living your best life now, that fight against you moving ahead in the things that really God has for you. Again, think about this. The Bible says that God has good plans for us. There's nobody in this room that doesn't say, man, I want good plans. God, I want your best for me. But do you know the reason we don't walk in God's best? It's not because God is closed-fisted. It's because a lot of times we get in the way of what God's trying to do and we mess it up because our old nature, our old habits, our old way of thinking gets in the way of what God's trying to do. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? And so we have to have a strategy to overcome. Again, it's not a desire to live this new life, a desire to walk out our faith, a passion to want to honor God. Like you can have that, but a desire is not enough. You have to have a strategy. The apostle Paul, he talked about his own battle in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he said this, check it out. He said, I discipline, read this, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Notice what he said here. He's like, He's like, hey, you know what? Like, he, and he's like, like, I'm, like, he was a key Christian. He was a key believer. He was an example for us. In fact, he made this statement one time. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, like, if you set the pattern of your life after my life, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. He was a guy who radically loved God, who served God, who did phenomenal things to advance the kingdom of God. But even though this guy, this pinnacle Christian that so many of us look to, he said, you know what? I got this enemy in me and I wrestle in order for me to overcome it. Like it can't be haphazard. I have to intentionally discipline my body. It's like this picture of like someone getting ready to get ready for the games, get ready at that time for the Greek games or get ready for today's modern Olympics. Like you just can't show up getting off the couch, eating a five gallon bucket of ice cream and show me like it's on like Donkey Kong because you're coming in last. He's saying, if I'm going to win the race of life, if I'm going to overcome in my journey, I have to be intentional to fight against this old part of me. I have to be intentional to wage war against this carnality, against this flesh that's trying to pull me back into an old life. You say, well, well how did he do it? Like, if we're going to have a strategy, what's it look like? Well, there are some, these things are complementary, not contradictory. But there are things that we can see in the New Testament, like one of the strategies is to recognize and resist. Like you got to recognize where you're weak. You got to recognize what your challenge is because things that challenge you and tempt you don't challenge me and tempt me. Things you battle with, I don't battle with. Things I battle with, you may not battle with. I battle with bluebell ice cream and it wins often. Come on, does anybody here know what I'm talking about? So in fact, so again, part of this strategy Again, to overcome the enemy in me. Again, because here's what I want you to know. I need a strategy to overcome what's in me. You need a strategy to overcome what's in you. So what's the strategy? Recognize and resist. 
How many people in this room, like you can just be honest right away, you can recognize where you're weak and where you struggle? Wave at me. Now I want you to lean over to your neighbor and whisper what it is in their ear. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come here, Ronnie. I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) So like everybody knows it, it's almost not a secret. So the real battle is when you recognize where your struggle is, when you recognize, like you have to intentionally resist and fight against that. Here's another one. This is this is kind of common if you've been in church for a while. Maybe you've heard something like this, that part of our strategy to overcome the enemy in me is that we have to separate ourselves from sin and dedicate ourselves to God. Like there is stuff, come on, everybody knows this, there is stuff in our old way of thinking, in our old habits, in our old attitudes, in our old lifestyle, come on, someone help me, that we know is not good. And so we have to pull, and I don't even know it's a fight, we got to pull away from that and we got to move towards God. Think about this huge pendulum. And on this huge pendulum, there's our new life in our old life. There is, again, old ways of thinking and new ways of thinking. There's sin and there's righteousness. There's a lifestyle that dishonors God and there's a lifestyle that honors God. And so one strategy is for like us to intentionally pull away from things that are old, pull away from things that dishonor God, pull away from things that we know are sin and push into things that we know are good, that honor God, that have character, that reflect godliness. So like there are some great strategies, but my favorite strategy is the Apostle Paul. Y'all didn't know he was a fashion guru, did you? Y'all didn't know he was a Gucci. You didn't know he was a man about, come on. (laughs) He gives us this strategy in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's kind of the what not to wear strategy. You want to talk about how to overcome your old man, your old nature? He lays down kind of this ahead of his times fashion model, and here's what he says. Listen to this. Read it with me. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Notice he's kind of talking about this progression thing right here because our relationship with God, it's not like one day we're not saved and the next day we're perfect. No one in this room will ever be perfect as long as your feet are planted on planet Earth. Wives, that was for your husbands. Your husbands will never be perfect as long as they're on planet Earth. I heard someone asked, uh, Dwight L. Moody, uh, old-time preacher, asked somebody, he said, does anybody know someone who's perfect? And guy stood up and he said, my wife said her ex-husband is perfect. <laughs> We're never going to be perfect. There is this progression, check this out, that when you come to Christ, he slowly and steadily and consistently changes our thoughts and our attitudes. But here's this journey again, watch this. He goes on, he says this, read it with me. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So here's what he says. He says, hey, you want a great strategy to overcome the enemy in you? You want a real strategy to walk this faith out? Then here's what it is. You got to take off old stuff and you got to put on new stuff. You got to take off the Jordash and you got to put on the Armani. You got to take off the stuff that doesn't honor God. You got to put on the stuff that honors God. He's saying like, it's this intentional clothing change. And like, we get it. We understand clothing. There are some things in our life that like doesn't fit for certain occasions. Some of you guys come from the background that your wife dresses you and that's okay. But I don't know if you've ever heard this before. You're getting ready to go somewhere with your wife and your wife looks at you and says, you're not going to wear that, are you? (laughs) Well, I'm not now. You know, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'll be changing. 
You know, and this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, I want you to throw off. Come on, say that. Say throw off. I want you to take off stuff that doesn't belong. And I want you to intentionally, decisively put things in your heart. Put things in your calendar. Put things in your character that'll move you from where you used to be to where God's called you to be. That the struggle you face, the battle that's raging in my heart and in yours, it can be overcome, but not with desire, with a strategy. And so again, he's got kind of this whole clothing thing going on. He's got this whole mentality about really it's, it's almost like what you wear. Here's what I'd say is you can't win the fight unless you dress right. If you want to win the fight of this battle on the inside, you've got to dress right. I've seen a, uh, seen a thing on TV. It was on, I think, the Discovery Channel. I'm kind of a geeky Discovery Channel person, National Geographic. Anybody with me? Anybody like those shows? Uh, so I'm watching this show, and here's what it was. These guys were jumping in the waters off Australia. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, rise up lights. <laughs> totally inside joke. I shouldn't even, couldn't help it. Anyways, so they were jumping in the water to study box jellyfish, which... I'm just telling you, if I know there's an animal anywhere near the water I'm jumping into, I'm not jumping into it. And there were so many jellyfish, it's like they weren't jumping in the water, they were jumping into jellyfish. And you know, box jellyfish are some of the most poisonous. This was a a, a version, um, a species that was not very poisonous, but they stung fiercely bad. And so there were actually two crews out there studying these jellyfish one that the camera crew was following and then there was this other like i think they were rookies and they jumped in and here they didn't have everything they needed on right they came screaming out of the water and when they get out their necks are all welted up the wrists are all welted up where these box jellyfish like just reached out and grabbed them and they got stung i'm like pee on them pee on them like that's what i heard worse they're freaking out screaming well here the other guys were a little bit smarter and they had, ma- they had wetsuits that came all the way up to the chin, chin and masks that came all the way down over the neck. They had wetsuits that covered all the way down to the hand and gloves that covered up to the forearm. And here's why. Listen, I want you to know this, that if you're dressed right, you can get into any situation. If you're dressed right for what you're going into, you can make it. If you're dressed right, you can go into a fire and rescue somebody who's in trouble. If you're dressed right, listen, you can go down and you can gather hot lava off of, off of Mount Vesuvius or wherever you want to go if you're dressed right. If you're dressed right, you can sink down a couple hundred, hundred, hundred feet underneath the water if you're dressed right. And I want you to know, everybody in this room, hear me. Your struggle, my challenge, our battle with our old nature, our carnality, it can be overcome if you'll dress right. If you'll take off what's getting in your way. If I'll make a decision to put aside the stuff that doesn't belong, the things that hold me back, the challenges we face, and put on kind of this new habit, this new way of thinking, then the promises we're going to overcome. Now, here's a crazy thing. Go back to uh, verse 22. Everybody say these first two words, throw off. Really kind of a cool word. In fact, Paul, he does kind of this play on words. So it's clear he's talking about us taking off a certain type of clothing and putting on a new type of clothing. But he kind of does this double meaning with this word right here. It's real interesting. This word throw off is what a parent would say to a kid when they need to put something away that doesn't belong in their life anymore. Let me tell you what I mean. Anybody remember the phase if you've had young kids and it's time that they can't have the binky anymore? Listen, you can't raise kids without lying to them. That's just how it is. 
That's why we need grace, because you, t- you can't tell kids the truth. you got to lie to them just a little bit. You can never, t- unless you're one of those really cruel, mean parents, you can't just take a big, give me that rotten kid, you don't need it anymore. You have to, listen, we got to give that to the pacifier fairy, so he can give it to the next, next needy kid. When <laughs> our, our kid, when we took uh, Zach, our youngest son, we took his, his pacifier from him, there was no way he was going to give it up. So we used to drive down this road, and there was a horse on this road, and he used to love to look at the horse. I'll never forget one day, we just reached back and popped it right out of his mouth. Just took it from him, rolled the window down, and we just tossed it. We littered, I know, forgive us. We tossed it out the window to the horse, and we told him we had to give it to the horse because the horse needed it. So every day he would drive by, and he's like, the horse got my binky. Like, yes, he does, Zach. But you know what? Listen to me. It's cute when a two-year-old has a binky. It's not cute anymore when a five-year-old has a binky. If you got a five-year-old with a binky, man up and take that from, thing from him and give it to the horse. It was cute then. It doesn't fit now in this stage of life. If you got a blankie that you need to rub at age four to go to sleep, that's okay. If you need a blankie to take to the cubicle at work and you're 23, something's wrong. Every kid picks his nose. It's almost cute. It's not cute when you're 23 picking your nose in public. Come on, somebody. It's cute when you see little kids got their shirts off running around the summertime. Listen, when you're 45 and you look like you got a sweater on with your shirt off, it's not cute anymore. It doesn't fit. When you're in college and you can sleep into the crack of noon, it doesn't matter. You throw something on, hadn't been washed in like three weeks. That's okay because you're in college. But when you get out of college and go get a career, it's not cute anymore to sleep till noon and not iron your clothes. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? There is stuff that fits at some places in life, but it shouldn't carry to the next stage. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying it's time if you're going to be serious in your walk with Christ. If you want to get real in your spiritual journey, there's some stuff you got to put away that you can't take with you anymore. It was okay when you wasn't saved. I, I, I get it. You slept around before you came to Christ. Like that's, that's what the world does. You fudge bottom lines in the business. That's okay. You didn't know Jesus. Like you had addictions and behaviors that fit for the life that you had. But now that we're in Christ, we're a brand new creation. And we got to put old stuff away from us. Come on, somebody. If we want to overcome, we can overcome this thing if we will have a strategy. So here's the question. I'm wrestling through this and here's what I know. Here's what I believe scripture teaches. That Jesus died for all of our sin, past, present, and future. That Jesus, when he died on the cross of Calvary, he didn't just die for your sin up to this point. Jesus died for all of your sin, for all of the world, for all time. So what I'm talking about, us changing the way we live, doesn't have anything to do with God's forgiveness. All of our sin is underneath the blood of Jesus. Here's something else I know. I believe that the word of God is absolutely clear that we will never get to heaven ever based on our own behavior, but based on his. It's not ever anything based on what we've done. It's based on what Christ did. The reason we can have a relationship with God, the reason we can call heaven our home isn't because we're good people. It's because he's a good God. We're a sinner, but God forgives sin through his grace when we come to Christ. So here's the question you got to wrestle with. Here's what I want you to really hear today. In your battle to walk out this faith, in your battle to wrestle against your old nature. You got to say this because I said this. Like if my forgiveness is already in Christ, if heaven is already guaranteed to be my home, like 
Can't I just like, maybe if I don't really wrestle the way I should, if I struggle too much, is it really a big deal? Here's why it's a huge deal. Don't get the mindset, well, God's gonna forgive me. There's something at stake. Listen to what Jesus said. Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, verse nine. I want y'all to read this. Come on, read it with me. And if your eye causes you to sin and throw it away. Interesting. This is the same phrase that the apostle Paul said. Get it away from you. Throw it off. Put it away. It's better. Come on, keep reading. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into. Now, just pull in. Give me 100% attention. Five minutes. When Jesus taught about heaven and hell, heaven and hell are very real places that are outside of time. They are in eternity. So don't hear me say anything. Don't walk out and say, pastor doesn't believe in hell. I believe in hell. People, unfortunately, are going to go to hell because they choose not to accept Christ. Hell is a real place. But when Jesus taught about the context of eternal life in hell to his disciples, he wasn't just talking about eternity one day in the future. Jesus was talking about right now. See, when Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, because that's what he said. He wasn't talking about like one day you can go to heaven. Jesus is saying like, I showed up here to change who you are and how you live and how you think and how you experience and who you are right now. That the second you come to Christ, like you get a brand new beginning and you can experience things that you've never experienced. You can live life to the fullest now because of Jesus. Like that's what eternal life is. Eternal life is not one day in heaven. Eternal life is now. So track with me. If that's true, and absolutely it is, I would just propose maybe, just maybe, Jesus wasn't just threatening hell. Though he is, you cannot miss the blatant context of what he says. Hey, you got some junk in your life? You better cut it out. Because it's better to go into eternal life with one eye than into hell with two. So make no mistake, he is very serious about his subject matter. But I don't think he's threatening his disciples with hell. See, that's the sad part of hell that some of us miss is we just think hell is in the future too. The same way you can have eternal life right now, I know this to be true and some of you in this room know it's to be true. You can have hell on earth right now. Some of you have lived life outside of God's plans and it's hell on earth in your marriage and hell on earth in your home and hell on earth in your finances, and hell on earth in your heart because your life is broken and your life is shattered and you're making all kinds of bad decisions. And I think what Jesus was saying is this. Jesus, because where he got, he, where he taught, not got, where he taught the concept of hell from was just outside of Jerusalem was a place. It was a city dump. It's called the Valley of Hinnom. It's where they got the portion of the Greek name Gehenna or hell. And what the Valley of Hinnom was, was the city trash dump. It's where everybody dumped their trash. It's where the daily sacrifices were burned. You can imagine every day walking by it in the stench of burning flesh and everybody's trash and maggots and flies. And what Jesus said is he said, hey, right there, that's what hell is like. It's a place of an eternal flame. It's always burning, it's trash. But his point was this, it's wasted life. And I think what Jesus is really saying is, hey, if there's stuff that you're carrying from your old life, and like you're trying to walk this battle out and you're trying to walk your faith out, but like you just won't let go of old habits. You refuse to change like attitudes and 
Like he's saying, listen, I want you to know that if you don't walk away from that stuff, like not only are you going to miss your real life, but you're stuck with hell on earth. Because if you don't fight the addiction, if you don't fight the habits, if you don't fight what's coming against you, you miss what God has for you and you continue to live in hell on earth. And it's like this real, it's almost palatable where Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's like, hey, do you know what I have for you? But if you don't choose to walk it out, if you don't choose to live it, then you're stuck with the option. A life that's really vacant of life. A life that's not really, exist, not really living, it's just existing, it's just surviving. And some of us in this room, man, you know it. So let me ask the question, what would your life be like if you put a strategy in place to overcome the enemy in you? What would your life begin to look like if you started recognizing and resisting What would your life look like if you started separating from sin and started dedicating yourself to God? Because Jesus said, I'll tell you what it's going to look like. It's going to look like eternal life right here, you experiencing God's best in your life. But this warning, some of us in this room haven't heeded it. I myself at times have not heeded it. I want us to watch a video. Here's a couple in our church. For a period in his life, he didn't heed this. And thank God, God showed up and rescued him anyways. Let's watch this. We were actually blind dates, so the first time we met, Paige actually came by and um, checked me out at the softball field. I didn't check you <laughs> out. I came by to see you. <laughs> Paige and I were married at Faith Church on June 9th, 26 years ago. Hannah was our firstborn, and then Luke came along. We couldn't have asked for uh, a happier life and a and a a happier time in our marriage. About 19 years into our marriage, we just came under attack. And in particular, I came under attack by the enemy. I told Paige that I had committed adultery. God had prepared me for the battle that I was about to face. It didn't lessen the blow. It didn't make it easier. But I, I knew God was with me. I had had dreams about what was coming. I had actually journaled it. And um, to be honest with you, I was angry, mad, and ready to walk away. I'll never forget the day. I'll never forget the day that I told her. I'll never forget the look on her face. I'll never forget her reaction. It was just a total devastation. We went through several months to where, I mean, Paige and I didn't know if we would make it. I remember praying, God, you got to step in here. I mean, if you don't, I mean, it's over. I had people that came to me and, um, you know, that were my prayer warriors that supported me. I know that my sister-in-law and and my mom prayed day and night. My dad and my brother, uh, you know, they showed me what warriors are. If people hadn't been covering us with prayer, uh, we would have never made it. I had to make sure that I could totally forgive and not bring it up and give him a pardon. And it, that was a struggle. She wasn't saying it didn't hurt because that's not what forgiveness is about. You're not saying it's okay. You know, you're, you're saying you did hurt me. You know, I forgive you, but you did hurt me and I did. I have no regrets in the fight that we went through to save our marriage. And no matter what you're going through in your life, you're gonna have to go fight wars because we all face an enemy.
God answers prayers and God hates divorce and He will restore your marriage. You have to get out of the way and let Him do it. Uh, you, you're, you're not going to do it on your own, you know. But if you'll get out of the way and you will invite Him in to your brokenness and to your situation and into your marriage and into your pain and into your hurts, uh, uh, he'll, he'll restore it and He'll restore you. If we can share our story and just let one couple know that it's not going to be easy, that it's going to be work, it's going to be a battle, but it's definitely worth the fight. I know this, I need a strategy to overcome what's in me. And so do you. We need a strategy to overcome what's in us. Like the battle is real, the fight is real. And God calls us like to this challenge because living for God, is, it's not easy. I'm telling you, anybody can live in this world. You want a challenge? I challenge you to live for God because there's a real fight, but man, there's real reward. So man, as we go through this, I remember a couple of years ago, I got a letter from a, from a student that I was pastoring. He wrote this like three or four page letter, man. He was pouring out his heart and basically he was wrestling with his, with his sexuality and wrestling with what he felt like his identity was. And when I use the word struggle, those are not my words, those are his words. Because when I called him to talk about his letter, I said, hey man, the thing that jumps out at your letter is like you keep using the word struggle, like you're struggling this, you're struggling with this, you're struggling with what people think, you're struggling. I said, listen, I want you to know something. Because his mindset was like, I'm just giving in. I'm just going to be what I feel. And I said, I want you to know that like, here's the answer is keep struggling. And I don't mean like keep, keep having a hard time, but I mean keep fighting. Like I just don't, you just don't give in to it. You don't give in to, like, if you're struggling with pornography, like, keep struggling. If you're struggling with pill addiction, like, keep fighting. If you're struggling to keep your marriage together, what's the option? Divorce? Keep fighting the fight. Fight for your heart. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your family. Fight for your walk. Until we get off of planet Earth, it's going to be a fight. But it's a fight worth fighting because there is victory in Jesus. tell you one thing I didn't tell the first service you know kind of cool you got to think about this especially dads dads I'm, I'm just going to call you to task and I know you're like man I hate to go to church because generally we don't preach mom messages on Mother's Day and we don't preach dad messages on Father's Day but dads I got to tell you this you know man because I felt like the Lord spoke this to my heart when you read in the Bible there's a story all the way back in the Old Testament that God is bringing the nation of Israel into what's called the promised land some of you that have been in church for a while or read the Bible, you know this. At first shot, they didn't get to go into the promised land. Do you know why? Because there were giants in the land. There were big warriors that they refused to fight. And because they refused to fight, they lost a generation. Because Caleb refused to fight. He wanted to, but he didn't. There was a group of 12. Because they refused to fight, they lost a generation. Anybody know that? Now fast forward. Y'all know the story of David and Goliath. There was another man facing another giant and because he was willing to go out and fight the giant, fight almost an unwinnable battle, he didn't just win for himself, he won a generation. Dads, I want you to know this. Moms, I want you to know this. You're not just fighting this fight for you. You're fighting because your kids are watching you and they're gonna follow your life and follow your pattern and follow your habits. I want everybody in this room to know that you have people in your circle of influence. I have people that are connected to me and they're watching me. And when I win, I win on their behalf because they believe that there is a God and there is grace in him and there is victory in him. There's something more to lose and something more to gain than just us. 
You're fighting for a generation. And so I'm gonna pray for you today. Because even though the fight's not easy, it's winnable. But desire's not enough. You gotta have a strategy. So Father, come in the name of Jesus. Father, thankful, Lord, most of all for grace. Because God, in our struggles, in our failures, Lord, there's grace in you. And so I pray, God, every heart here, God, today, no matter what our struggle is, and I know it can be exhausting, and God, it can be overwhelming at times. I pray today that you would know that God loves you in spite of your struggle. I pray that today that you would know that there's grace available for your struggle. Most of all, I want you to know, listen to me, that God will help you to fight if you'll make a decision to put a strategy into place. And God will begin to give you victory over things you've struggled with your whole life if you'll take oldie off and put on the new. If you'll recognize what's holding you back and resist against it. If you'll separate from sin and dedicate yourself toward God. I'm telling you, there is a breakthrough for you today. And so I pray, God, you help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name.